Thanks for tuning in to Christian Medical and Dental Association's chapel. May the message be a blessing to you. Bibles, I'd like you to turn with me to James chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. Uh, over the last 33 years that I've been in full-time ministry, a lot of my uh, ministry has been spent as an evangelist and traveling around, speaking in churches uh, across the country, sometimes around the world. And uh, the guy who spent a lot of time, his name is uh, Pastor Reverend Larry Cochran, who, who was my mentor, uh, spent a lot of time teaching me about preaching, and we'd, we'd traveled around the world together. He would often tell me that uh, it's always best to kind of get a word from the Lord. And even if it's a, you're sitting on the front row and the Lord begins to speak to you a little bit and change things up, and it's always best to, to go with what the Lord puts on your heart. I can't tell you how many times in my ministry career I've been sitting on the front row of some church and some song comes up, and the Lord just started changing a message for me. And uh, I would grab the, the nearest bulletin or uh, an offering envelope or something like that and begin to jot down a few notes. And through the years, last 30 years, I, I've taken those things. A lot of those have never preached again, and I've dumped them in a folder. And just recently, I was going through some things in my folder, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to kind of dust off some of these old little note cards and little things that I've done, never done uh, since then, and maybe kind of refresh those a little bit and, and do some in chapel. And there's, there's one little... Uh, uh, offering envelope that kind of caught my attention. I had a hard time even reading my writing, so I don't even remember how I figured it out that day when I was preaching. It must have been the Holy Spirit. But I, I, the Lord started speaking this, this concept to me, and I've been spending a lot of time this week uh, on this passage of Scripture and put together a little PowerPoint for us uh, today. But I want to talk a little bit about this idea of human limitation, divine intervention. Human limitation and divine intervention. Intervention. I don't know what you're going on through your heart and what's going on your agenda uh, this time of the year, but sometimes we kind of reach some human limitations and we need some divine intervention. I want to kind of share this concept with you with this, this idea of these two, two gears. Uh, there's a big gear and there's a smaller gear. And there's, these two things have to have to work together. It's, it's all about divine intervention, but there's also a human element that has to be played out uh, in this equation for us to be able to accomplish the purposes of God, for God to be able to do things in our life. God, God has the ability and the, the divine gear to accomplish all kinds of things. He, he can do the infinitely impossible. He can create. He can accomplish. He can do all these kinds of things, but God often chooses to use individuals like us to accomplish his will. Now, let's not get this uh, out of balance. I want you to, to visualize this, this uh, image that I put together for us, this divine and this human, these gears that are working together. Don't mix them up. Don't think you're the big gear, okay? Uh, a lot of times we, we treat ourselves like it, it's all about me and it's what I can do and it's the gifts and the abilities that I have and, and sometimes we work God into it and sometimes we don't. We kind of tackle these things on our own. Keep this image in mind. We'll come back to this throughout this message this morning. Here's what the scripture I want to look at. It's James chapter 5, 17 and 18. And I'm reading now the New Living Translation. It says this, Elijah was as human as we are. A lot of your translations will say something like with a nature like ours or uh, a similar nature to ours. I like the way the New Living Translation says 
He was as human as we are. There's that little, little wheel there, that little gear. And yet, he pray, when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then, verse 18, when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. Just imagine this, this kind of concept here from the book of James. Elijah was a man just like we are as human as possible, and yet, when he prayed. So you've got this picture, remember, picture Elijah's, the little, the little gear, the little wheel, and he's just like us. Imagine your picture in that, in that little wheel. Just like us, same nature, same as human as possible as the person next to you, uh, as human. But yet, when he prayed, when he got the divine gear working in his life, when he called on the Lord, when he began to pray, things began to happen. Things began to change. I like the Amplified Bible, the way it says, Elijah, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Most translations say that. With the same physical, mental, and spiritual limitations and shortcomings. Isn't that interesting? It's just like us, nature like ours, as human as everybody else, and he has the same physical, mental, and spiritual limitations and shortcomings. Here's a reality check. How many realize you have some limitations? <laughs> huh? Okay, we're all on the same page. You, as gifted as you are, and as gifted as God's wired you, he's not created you to, to be, have uh, this extent without limitations. We have limits, spiritual, physical, um, mental, uh, and uh, these shortcomings that come into our way. And it says, and he prayed earnestly, intensely, for it not to rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three and years and six months. And then he prayed again, and the sky gave to rain, and the land produced its crop as usual. So here's this idea of this human limitations and divine intervention. Uh, Elijah's just like us with all these limitations that we have, physical, mental, uh, spiritual shortcomings that we have. And yet, when he prayed, when he called on God, God began to do some things that he couldn't do by himself. I love the story in Matthew chapter 17, uh, verses 20 and 21. Uh, it's, it's a great story about Jesus. And his, he's up on the Mount of Transfiguration, you know, and uh, he's being transformed before their very eyes. Meanwhile, while Jesus is up with his inner circle of three, you've got a lot of people who are down in the valley, the rest of his disciples, and, and a father comes up to some of the disciples one day and they said, hey, w would you take care of our son? He's got this problem. He has these epileptic seizures that, that kind of break out and it just kind of makes them convulse and all these troubles that result of this, this problem. So the disciples are like, yeah, we can do this. And so they, they begin to kind of do what they'd seen Jesus do before. And we don't know exactly all the things that they tried, but we do know this, they had limitations and nothing worked. It did not work. They could not get the problem solved. And I imagine the scripture doesn't say this to so much of an extent, but I, I think it implies that they're, they're absolutely frustrated. They're embarrassed probably because Jesus comes down off the mountain. And finally, the, the father comes up to Jesus and said, I, I brought my, my son uh, to your disciples to have them fix this problem. And they couldn't do anything about it. I mean, imagine being called out like that in front of all these people when they're kind of maybe putting their hands in their pocket and kind of stepping back a little bit. And Jesus heals the boy. And then what happens is they pull Jesus aside and say, um, why couldn't we do that? Why couldn't we do that? In essence, what Jesus says there, he said to them, because of your unbelief, 
For surely I say to you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you will say this mountain move here to there and it will be moved and nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing will be impossible. Right now, that's impossible. You know why? Because humanly speaking, you're trying to solve this problem. But if you will call on the divine intervention through prayer and through fasting, that's when the impossible becomes possible. It was Ian Bounds, I think one of my favorite Ian Bounds quotes is this, what the church, and I would insert the word ministry, a ministry like CMDA, needs today is not more machinery or better machinery, not new organizations or more or novel methods, but men and women whom the Holy Spirit can use, men and women of prayer, men and women mighty in prayer, The Holy Spirit does not flow through methods, but through men and women. He does not come on machinery, but on individuals, people. He does not anoint plans, but men and women, people of prayer. And so here's the principle I want us to look at today. There is a limit to human accomplishment without heavenly involvement. There's a limit to human accomplishment without heavenly involvement. So there's a, there's a, a sphere that you and I can accomplish some things in our areas of work, uh, some giftedness that God has given us. There are some things that you and I will be able to do and some things uh, we'll be able to do well. But even with the things we're able to do well, there is a huge limit to what we can accomplish without heavenly involvement. Human limitations Divine intervention. The little gear is helpful, but it's not able to do things on its own. It will never accomplish things on its own. And yet somehow, as we look at this human limitations, and even though I could spend a lot more time talking about the idea of what are our human limitations and what we can and cannot do, uh, we somehow, it's the first resource we go to is ourselves. Okay, what can I do in this situation? How can I solve this problem? What can I do next to, uh, to kind of get this thing working in the direction I want it to go? And we're always trying to solve it. And, and we, we get that little gear going, but we often leave the big gear out and it, it doesn't change our circumstances, our situation. Now, let's talk a little bit about some of the things the scriptures say that's foolish to do. Some foolish things that the, the, the Bible says. It's a fool says there is no God, right? Uh, and so a, a person who thinks, okay, I, I've got skills, I've got abilities, and I can solve this problem, I can make this thing happen, they're not going to factor the big gear into this, and so they think it's foolish to call on God. I don't need that kind of a crutch in my life. God, I, I've got this ability, I've got this knowledge, I've got this insight, I'm going to do it. A fool says there is no God. doesn't even factor him in. The rich fool said in Luke chapter 12, here's what I'll do. Here's a problem, and here's what I'm going to do. And the Lord said, you fool, because you didn't factor me into that equation. Proverbs 28, verse 26 says, he who trusts in his own heart is a fool. So in other words, if I don't think I have a limitation on what I have the ability to do, then then I'm going to go around doing things and not factoring God in. I'm not going to be running that little wheel just constantly trying to do my best and to accomplish things and to uh, get things done, and I oftentimes will use the little wheel and not call on the big gear, and that's absolutely foolish. By the way, can you think of some foolish decisions you've made on your own without God? One of my favorite series of stories in the Bible was when David, who's this incredibly gifted 
uh, warrior. I mean, he, he took on a, a, a giant, right? He's, he's, got, he's got the resume of resumes. He's a fighting machine. And what does he do every time, most of the time? He, before he goes into battle, before he goes to, to attack, he, he says, Lord, what's he, what's that? that's praying, that's calling on the divine intervention. Do I have your blessing to go do this? Will you fight this battle for me? Should I move forward on this? God would tell him yes. God would tell him no. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, I love it in the message. It says this, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own, okay? Stop spinning that little gear. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume you, you know it all. Run to God and run from evil. In other words, okay, I've got this challenge ahead of me. Don't lean on my own understanding. Don't trust in my human abilities. From the bottom of my heart, don't try to figure out everything on my own. Trust in God, and God will bring it about. I'm reminded of uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things. At the end of the verse, Sometimes we live that way, right? I can do all things, say it with me, through Christ who gives me strength. Uh, the secret to our strength, the secret to our success, to play along the idea of what Dave was speaking to us last week in chapel, is this idea that it's through Christ, not through my abilities or not through my own strength. In our weakness, uh, the Bible says, he is strong. That's where we get our strength. It's not in our own wills, our own abilities, our own accomplishments. Think about Jesus's uh, disciples. This concept of the human limitation, divine intervention is so powerful that Jesus has picked these disciples, which by the way, probably none of us would have selected. None of us would have said, okay, here's the perfect person for the job to turn the world upside down. The HR department would not have selected these guys probably because they, they just don't fit. They're, 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 they're an interesting group of people that Jesus saw something in. And he gathers them together. He trains them. He equips them. He disciples them. And he's getting ready to go up to heaven. You know what he does? He says, don't do a thing. Go up in the upper room and wait until you've been endued with power upon high. Why is that? Because what the Lord knew was this idea of human limitations and divine interventions. And when those two things begin to work together, it'll turn the world upside down. And it will change the world. Peter is an interesting character, follower, character to follow throughout his life and throughout his story. And he does a lot of good things in the, in the Gospels. But man, we got a different guy uh, in the book of Acts, right? Why? What was the difference? He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And it made all the difference in his, his life and his ministry. Now, there are four disruptions uh, to divine intervention that I want to talk about just briefly this, together this morning. And depending on how much time we have together, uh, how much scripture I'll give you. But there's a ton of verses of scripture that I've been working on this week to fit into this idea. These are the four disruptions to divine intervention. Human motives, human perspective, human wisdom, and human effort. These are the four things that the Bible talks about that are elements that need to be present, but don't need to be prevalent. In other words, don't need to be dominant. Because what I know about divine intervention, what the Lord's shown me, is that God has the ability, God's able to do all things, God is able to do the impossible. He typically chooses to use 
in my weakness. He'll, he'll work through me. He'll work through you. But if this, so this human element has to be uh, present, this idea of human motives and human perspectives and human wisdom and human effort are important. We'll talk about that in a second. But if these become the big gear in the wheel, then we're in trouble. So let's talk about those. Let's talk about the, the idea of human motives together. James chapter 4, verse 3 says, And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. Your motives are wrong. You want what you have to give you pleasure. So have not, Scripture says, because we ask not. And when we do ask, we ask with the wrong motives. So how does that play into this one of the disruptions to God's plan, how the divine intervention? Well, is, 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 is divine intervention, is God going to step in? Is the Lord going to work in our lives when our motive for why we want to do what we're doing is completely selfish? And I would suggest the answer is probably no, because we ask with wrong, selfish motives. When, when, we, when we call on God and we call on God, we, we shouldn't be saying, Lord, I need you to bless what the work of my hands, Lord, bless what I'm doing, so everyone can say, wow, look at that guy. Isn't he amazing? That's the wrong motive, and God will never bless that kind of activity. But if I say, Lord, I need your help. I have human limitations, and I have some abilities that you've given me, but I, I need your help. I need your divine intervention, and not so that my name be, could be glorified, but that so that your name may be proclaimed throughout the, the, the world, and so that you would receive honor and you would receive glory. You see, our human motives often get in the way of divine intervention in our life and divine uh, accomplishment. Our, my way often gets in the way of God's way in my life. I'll be honest with you. Here's what I want. Here's what I see. Here's the vision I have. And this is what I want to see happen in my life. And so sometimes, unless I'm praying the prayer that Jesus prayed in the garden, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. And I'm checking my motives at the door and making sure that they're pleasing and holy and honoring to God, that these human motives will have a big disruption in the divine intervention in my life. Proverbs 16, verse 2 and 21, verse 2 says, People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. So when we're calling on the divine, he's checking our motives for why we want to do what we want to do. The second one is human perspectives. Human perspectives, seeing things exclusively through the lens of a human point of view. Have you ever done that? Be honest, this is chapel, right? You can be honest in chapel, right? There's no, there's no judging here, right? You can be honest because... Sometimes we look at things and we just say, okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to get out of this? And we look at just from a human perspective, just a human point of view, and that's dangerous. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 23, Jesus warns Peter. And uh, uh, so Peter's telling him, Lord, you don't have to go to Jerusalem. There's a better plan. All you have to do is speak the word, and you can, just, you can, you can, you can bring in the armies. You can, you can, this, Lord, you don't have to suffer. You don't have to go through Calvary. Thank God he didn't, Jesus didn't listen to Peter, right? Listen to what, Peter, what Jesus says. Get away from me, Satan. Doesn't call him Peter. Calls him Satan. You're a dangerous trap to me. You're seeing things merely from a human point of view and not from God's perspective. Ouch. You're dangerous, Peter. Because you've got all these ideas. You've got all these answers. You've got all these solutions. You've got all these, just do this. And you're not looking at this from God's point of view at all. 
you're just looking at this from my perspective. What would be best for Peter? Not what would be best for Peter in the long run or what would be best for humanity. In 2 Kings uh, chapter 6, there's a great story of King Aram who comes to fight. And uh, it says when the servant, the servant wakes up one morning and sees this army surrounding them, they're gathered all the way around. You know the story pretty well, I'm sure. Gets up the next morning, he went outside, and there's these troops, horses, chariots are everywhere. And what he says is, oh, sir, what do we do now? He says to Elisha, what, what do we do now with all these people that are surrounding us? We're toast. We're, there's nothing we can do. What are we going to do? And then, ironically, that's usually that first little wheel that starts clicking, right? Which do you go to, the little wheel or the big wheel? When you're, when you're faced with a, oh, no, what's, what are we going to do? We often kick in little, the, the, the servant says, Elisha, what are we going to do? Elisha goes on, don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. There are more with us than against us. And I imagine the servant walks over and shakes him and says, wake up, Elisha. <laughs> it's early in the morning, but I mean, open your eyes. Look, these, 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 all the people around us, they're everywhere. And what the Lord says is, uh, there are more with us than there are against us. That's not the case. Stop looking at this from a human perspective. So Elisha prays, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And all of a sudden he began to see what the real possibilities were and the real, the, the real matchup was. He was in an advantage because God was on his side. Let me ask you a question. If you're at a point right now and you've, you're looking at things from a human perspective and you're, you've got this obstacle, you've reached a human limitation, the question I want to ask you this morning is, what does God see about your situation that you can't see right now? It's a coaching question. What does God see that you can't see, that you can't figure out, but if you take a step back and open up your eyes of faith and you call on the Lord, yet, like Elijah, you'd pray, then God could begin to work. So human perspectives. Look at this third one, human wisdom. Human wisdom. Now, don't get me wrong. The Bible teaches explicitly, explicitly the importance of human wisdom of seeking wise counsel. In fact, the Bible says that one of the first things I should do besides calling on the Lord is I should gather some advisors together. And the more advisors I get about what I should do about this particular situation, the better off I'm going to be. So human wisdom is, is very, very valuable and it's very, very important. However, if you go to that little gear, the human gear, and you exercise human wisdom rather than bringing in the divine then all of your decisions are going to be based on the best of human wisdom rather than what God wants to do. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5, verse 13, I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words to give, given us by the Spirit, using God's Spirit to explain these spiritual truths. And I could, I could go on and on. I don't have time this morning to go into all the things that the Scriptures say about human wisdom. But it is, it's a disruptor to the divine activity, the divine intervention in our life. The last one is, is this idea of human effort. Human effort. There are times when I'm coaching or counseling someone, I realize, that, okay, what this person needs is to just put their hand to the plow and get, get busy, right? You can talk about something all, all day long. And sometimes you just need to put a little effort into it. God's working. God's doing. God will do his part. We need to do our part. But there's often times that human effort can be rather difficult. Uh, and, and the Bible talks a lot about that in Luke chapter 5, verse 4, 4, 
4 and 6. And when he finished speaking, he said to Simon, how, how go, out where, go out where it's deeper and, and let down your nets for some fish. And Peter says, okay, Lord, um, we've worked all night and didn't catch a single thing. So we've done the human effort thing, and it didn't produce anything. We've come home, we're cleaning the nets, we're cleaning the fish instead of cleaning the fish, and we've got nothing. And the Lord says, okay, here's, here's the thing. You tried your human wisdom, you tried your human effort, now let's try a little, a little bit of the divine intervention and go out and cast them on the other side. And the catch was so big, they couldn't hardly bring it in. Human effort. You remember that David replied to the Philistine? He's laughing at him. You come to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord our God. It wasn't on my human effort that was going to win this battle. It was in who was on my side. Now, quickly, there's three things that the Bible teaches us about human effort. Number one, it accomplishes nothing. It accomplishes nothing. John 6, verse 63, the Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes absolutely nothing. John 15, verse 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. You know what the word nothing means there? Nothing. <laughs> absolutely nothing. There's nothing you can do because there's human limitations. The second thing we learn is that it's no substitute for the Spirit. In Galatians, uh, Paul says, I'm shocked. Having started out in the Spirit, why are you now turning to the flesh? Why are you now trying to accomplish things in human effort and human abilities? Why are you trying to do that? Because, you know, it doesn't work. Way out these, the divine intervention versus the human effort, and you're trying to earn your salvation through human effort, doesn't work. Trying to accomplish things through human effort, doesn't work. What you need, and that's why Jesus had the disciples stay in Jerusalem until they were filled with power upon high. It accomplishes nothing, and it's no substitute for the Spirit of God. Remember Zechariah, it's not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. Again, there's a bunch of other scriptures I could give you. Here's the third truth. We should put no confidence in the flesh. None. No confidence in human strength. For we who worship the Spirit of God are the ones who truly are the truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us, and we put no accomplishment, no confidence in human effort at all. Now, here's a great story as I kind of wind down here. In Matthew chapter 19, the story of the rich young ruler. Rich young ruler. The ideal candidate for every pastor to come to their church, right? Not really. He's young, he's rich, and he's got leadership abilities. And what he thinks is, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What, can I, what kind of things can I do, my human effort? And Jesus tells him, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and then come follow me. And he walks away sad because he has so much wealth, he has so many things. And, and the disciples are like, what are you doing, Jesus? Are you kidding me? This... This is the perfect candidate for our local Baptist church, right? Or the local Methodist church, right? The perfect candidate. If this guy can't do it, who can do it? And Jesus begins to talk about things that are impossible. Listen to what it says in, in the message. I love the way he translates this. The disciples were staggered. Those who, uh, then who has a chance at all? Jesus looked hard at them. And he said, no chance at all if you think you can pull it off by yourself. Every chance in the world if you trust God to do it. You know what chance you and I have of being successful on our own with our human limitations? Very little. 
but every possible chance. All things are possible to him who believes and trusts. Corey Tamboon, who said, perhaps only when human effort has done its best and failed would God's power alone be free to work. So here's the question I want to leave you with today. Have you reached the end and discovered your human limitation today? You don't know what to do. You don't know, what to, you don't know the answer for the situation at home with the kids, uh, the challenge that you're facing in the office. You just reach the end of this limitation and you just realize, I I can't do this on my own. How about praying and asking Jesus for some divine intervention? Elijah was a man just like us. Full of human weaknesses, frailties, mental, physical, emotional limitations. And yet, he prayed, and God did the miraculous. Father, I pray today that you would help us to learn from this simple truth about divine intervention and uh, how it overrides and overplays our human limitations. Help us to realize today that it's in our weakness you are strong, and I pray that today's message would have encouraged someone in their walk with you. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.